Hello, Go For It listeners. Welcome back to another week here on the podcast. Joining you is, of course, myself, Elijah Elmore, and my co-host, partner in crime, brother in arms, Nathaniel Velasquez. We hope y'all are doing good. We are tuning up and getting ready, getting geared up for another week of Colts football and it's going to be an exciting one. The Colts have a real shot at going up 2-1 and one to start the year. It's real important moving forward, especially leading up to our midseason game against Baltimore that we win uh, these, key, these key games, such as the one we're going to be playing tomorrow. We're going to be getting into all of that, along with the injuries that have already begun to plague the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to be looking at the other teams in the AFC South, keeping tabs in our continuing segment called Keeping Up with the South. And as always, we will also go into some detail of uh, Nate and I will each give our three keys to victory tomorrow for the Indianapolis Colts going into this game versus the New York Jets. So, before we, you know, before we get into all that, as always, as y'all should be used to by now, we have another trivia question. Nate, go ahead. Take it away with this week's trivia question. <laughs> Personally, I always wondered why the Colts were named the Colts. So I looked it up myself just because I have to come up with the question and I also have to know the answer. So <laughs> this ain't cheating because I'm doing my job to make sure you guys are able to answer and me be like, yes, you are correct or you are wrong. But like I said... I did not know this, and it really intrigued me with the answer. But the question is, why are the Indianapolis Colts named the Colts? I never knew the reason. Did you, Elijah? I cannot say that I knew the reason. I went into this uh, pod and looked over the outline and uh, looked at the answer to this question. And uh, I was I was intrigued, to say the least, because the, the reason... Uh, I, I would have never, I would have never thought about. It. I wouldn't have known the first thing about that. So stay tuned for that. Of course, at the end of every episode, we do reveal the answer to the trivia question. In the meantime, while you are listening to the episode, please feel free to hit us up on Twitter at GFI Podcast. That is at GFI Podcast on Twitter. If you're not already, please go and follow us. We always try to continue our conversations made here on the pod. We try and continue those conversations over on Twitter. So go over there. If you haven't already, follow us and let us know um, why the Colts are named the Colts. And as always, please, if we even have to ask, no cheating. The internet is great, but we trust that our Colts (laughs) fans are knowledgeable. The Indianapolis Colts have faced a plethora of excruciating injuries, heavy hitters, to the Colts roster. These aren't just, you know, third string rotational players, Nate. We have we have had a plague of injuries early on in the year, as a lot of the NFL has, uh, which we'll be talking about more in detail here in a little bit. But the Colts in specific have had a three really key uh, injuries long term uh, that could really affect our uh, explosiveness moving forward as the year goes along. Of course, we uh, we that started with Marlon Mack going out early in Week One against Jacksonville with what ended up being a torn Achilles, as we all 
know or should know by now, Marlon Mack is out for the remainder of the season. Malik Hooker is in a similar situation. Was uh, he, he was torn Achilles as well, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, he's been placed on IR. He is officially missing the entire season. Um, heavy blow to the Colts for sure. You know, definitely a uh, part of that starting defensive unit. Um, he's made some key plays for us in the past. Dealt with some injury issues, and he's in a contract year, which Nate and I have discussed in previous episodes. So, really, just overall, um, overall, that's a a devastating loss to us, and really, it's a devastating situation for Malik Hooker, um, as is for Marlon Mack, who's also in a contract year. Um, you know, and then of course you have Paris Campbell. I think Paris Campbell is probably, at least to me personally, Nate, Paris Campbell is probably the saddest of all three of these injuries. Um, you know, he was really promising, showed a lot of promises rookie year, um, was making plays all throughout training camp last season, and you could just tell Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, Chris Ballard, this whole Indianapolis staff was just, they had nothing but good to say about him. He gets hurt early, never fully recovers. He deals with injuries throughout the entire year, ends up on IR, And, you know, devastating situation. Comes in week one, he is the most targeted receiver. Phillip Rivers targeted him more than any other receiver on the Colts roster in week one. Looked like that was only going to continue against Minnesota this past week. And, of course, uh, early in that game, as we all probably know by now, um, he, uh, he has injured his ACL. And it's not been confirmed that he is lost for the season, if I'm not mistaken, Nate. Have you heard any more news on that? Yeah, um, he is officially done for the season. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I mean, all three of these are just terrible situations, both for the Colts as an organization and for these players individually. And our thoughts and prayers go out to them for sure. At least two of them, you know, the future, at least their futures, at least in Indianapolis, are kind of up for grabs, especially Malik Hooker. Uh, Marlon Mack, I don't know. Marlon Mack is probably more of a lock to, to be kept around for next season, but... Malik Hooker is really kind of the odd man out in this situation. And, you know, he's had, he's made some plays for us. He's not always been consistent, but he's made some plays for us. And uh, he was Chris Ballard's first ever draft pick. And I really just – I feel sorry for the guy, Nate. I really do. Yeah, I don't know what went wrong after the first year when we drafted him because before he got hurt then, he was lights out for the Indianapolis Colts. Like, no one was wanting to throw to him because – in his first couple of starts in the NFL, he was already averaging an uh, interception a game. And then when he um, had a season-ending injury, it's almost like he disappeared. He's never been the same player, or it just hasn't like popped like it did before. And obviously he kept getting injured and just wasn't healthy a good chunk of the years that he's been in the NFL and you do feel sorry for the guy. You really wish he could fulfill his contract year and see if we would resign him or not. And like you said, more than likely, this 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 was his last um, stint with the Indianapolis Colts. The only way the Indianapolis Colts would probably bring him back is if uh, they want to keep that depth and that he's willing to be um, a backup just because he can't stay healthy and for we'll talk about this later but julian blackman showed some mighty mighty oh mighty plays good. on sunday and um yes thoughts and prayers to billy cooker thoughts and prayers for paris campbell 
and continue to think about Marlon Mack, which I think Marlon Mack might come back, like you said as well. Yeah, um, on a che- on a cheap deal, probably a one year, because I don't think another team, unless they're totally desperate for running running backs, um, I don't think any team would want him. And um, we'll just bring him back for depth, and he'll be officially behind Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and if Jonathan Taylor can continue to um, can continue to improve and become more confident and his ability to run the ball and, and, you know, be more consistent and finding the open lanes um, in the running game. Uh, and he can continue to put forth the production he's already started. Um, I, I kind of predicted this, Nate, in a way. I didn't predict and I did not want to see Marlon Mack out for the season, especially not with a torn Achilles. A torn Achilles for a running back is a devastating injury. I mean, because that affect. I mean, even when or if you come back from an injury like that, you lose mobility and you lose agility. I mean, running backs rely, specifically agile running backs like Marlon Mack, they rely on their ankles to be able to make quick cuts like he does, and and you know, and bouncing bounce in and out of open lanes and and just the type of player Marlon Mack is. He relies on on strength in that area of his body and. And so this is really just a devastating injury to him um, overall. But I, I would not be surprised at all. I would be more surprised if the Colts let him walk because, like you said, he would end up really probably not getting signed by anyone. Um, and there's really – I feel like he's more used to the Colts, especially now. They can probably, like you said, Nate, get him on a cheaper deal and keep him in Indy and kind of help be a rotational player, um, which really stinks. I mean, Marlon Mack – it never seemed like that was going to be his story in Indianapolis. I mean, you know, it seemed like he was going to be the guy in the backfield. Yeah, um, and agree. going into the season, Frank Reich was fully confident, um, and 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 that showed in the depth chart that they released before the season started. You know, Marlon Mack was number one. You know, he was RB one um, coming into this year, and it's just it's just really a devastating situation, and. Um, but and on maybe a more selfish basis with this, this hurts the Colts big time. Paris Campbell was providing something to this um, dynamic that you know um, was it was necessary. The Colts has set everything up in this way and in this manner for a reason. Um, and with Paris Campbell, he does things that not every not every wideout can do. Uh, they've been utilizing him in those uh, those uh, sweep those sweep plays, uh, handing the ball off to him. He gets an open space and and just you know his his straight on vertical speed is is unmatched by almost no one. And so he gets an open space and he gets ten plus ten twelve yards um, on those run plays. He was being targeted a lot over the middle. He's he he shows a lot of promise in being able to get open. Um, and find those soft spots in the defense. And he is a, uh, his injury is a crushing blow. Um, you know, Marlon Mack, that 1 1 punch we were talking about and we're excited about coming into the season. Um, we're not going to have that now. That's going to be, that's going to kind of limit us a little bit more on, on the schemes that are called up for this offense. And of course, Malik Hooker, he adds that veteran presence and he does have playmaking ability. Um, and again, depth, depth has been the thing that Chris Ballard has been preaching about. And, um, we lost, we lost a lot. We lost a lot of key things with those three players. So, I mean, it's the name of the game. It's really unfortunate, but all we can do, all the Colts organization can do is just move on 
and try and fill the holes as best as they can. And, you know, that's just the nature of the NFL. Next man up. Um, and so, but, you know, that does lead to the second half of this situation. And that, you know, the question could be posed, how are the Colts going to replace these guys? Um, you know, Nate, you already mentioned Julian Blackman a little bit. I'm so impressed with Julian Blackman. And just to give a little spoiler on uh, our cult of the game picks, I I struggled because I wanted to pick Julian. I wanted to pick <laughs> Julian Blackman this week for Colt for Colt of the game. Uh, a little spoiler alert: I did, I or I did not pick Julian Blackman, but he was definitely um, in my consideration. He just he played had a, a phenomenal. Oh my goodness, he played a phenomenal game um, for being out all this time and and you know still trying to be trying to get to one hundred percent and then stepping into that role. Shortened off season, no preseason. That's that's a hard situation to ask for a rookie to step into that situation. But they obviously, Matt Eberflus and this and this Colts uh, staff obviously had the confidence in him to go out there and play because Malik Hooker goes out, Julian Blackman comes in. He had a couple really key plays. Perhaps the biggest one was where he uh, caught a crossing route down the middle of the field um, and met the uh, wideout uh, crossing down the middle of the field. Whiteout caught that ball, Nate. I I'm sure you saw it. That ball was <laughs> caught. That ball was caught. And Julian Blackman, he just runs in there, uses that raw speed, gets his shoulder down, and gets his helmet right where that ball is and just pops it right out. It was an unbelievable play. Yeah, we still struggle on figuring out what's a catch and not a catch, okay? So no matter how we feel about it, um, it would have been nice if it was a fumble and – that would have been a highlight for him, oh but God. the highlight, but the highlight for me too is when he was um, taking the place of Malik Hooker because he did get hurt. I think in the same series or maybe a series after. But anyway, uh, after Malik got hurt, uh, when uh, uh, Kirk Cousins tried to throw a deep ball, Julian Blackman was right there covering the guy right in front of him, trying to catch the ball, but. Um, uh, the receiver tipped it out of his hands, but at least Kari Willis was right there to be able to catch the ball and got the interception. Was phenomenal play by Julian Blackman. Yeah, it was great play. Overall, great effort by him, and he showed why he was drafted. Um, and you know, he showed what the Colts saw in him all along. So, uh, props to Julian Blackman. I think he's going to be a staple yeah. in this defense. He's only going to get better. You know, you know what we were talking about, uh, the question of how they're going to replace them. Uh, it's going to be kind of difficult just because of how the scheme is trying to be run on the defensive side and the offensive side. Because with Marlon Mack, it was, it was kind of an easy plug-in. Like, okay, well, we got Jonathan Taylor, boom. And we got two more running backs in the backfield that can run the ball if something happens to Jonathan Taylor. But for Malik Hooker... If you had Malik Hooker out there still on defense, then you could easily ask, hey, Jonathan Taylor, we need you to be a slot corner, go in the slot corner, <laughs> or hey, we need you to be outside corner and then have uh, uh, more in the slot. Like we, we could do so many things with that. But now we're like, okay, is Julian Blackman going to continue to be the starter or is he going to be just a situational player? Is he going to be this? Is he going to be that? Just so many mixes because you still got uh, uh, jo uh, uh, Josh Odom, excuse me, kind of trying to think of the name while I'm talking. And then you also still have uh, Wilson, Javon Wilson. So are those guys going to go ahead and take the spot or what? It's like 
you're still got the bits and pieces well, that you got to figure out. <clears throat> yeah, and I completely get where you're coming from on that in that regard. I mean, personally, I look at the sheer amount of time that Julian Blackman got once Malik Hooker was off the field. You know, like you said, you have uh, Tavon Wilson and George Odom, but Eberflus did not call on Tavon Wilson to take Hooker's place in this game, who, you know, has more experience. He's been in the league a while. Um, he, he made some plays during training camp for the Colts. They did not call on George Odom to come in. They called on a rookie who has been coming back, trying to come back from a torn ACL for the last year, who didn't have much of an offseason to prepare with the Colts in his rookie season, didn't have any preseason games to get his feet wet, which he probably wouldn't have played anyway because he wouldn't have been ready. But you know what I'm saying? Like he he's this was his first ex- this was his first time in an NFL game. And they knew that and they chose him. I think he ended up playing like 30 something snaps after Malik Hooker went out. So I think to me personally, that's indicative of what the Colts are planning to do. I think Tavon Wilson and George Odom are going to be utilized in the same way that they would have been with Malik Hooker, um, rotational. You know, the Colts have been they've been one of those teams that want to get to a place where none of their players get fully gassed. You know, hey, all right, Julian Blackman's been in here. He's been playing, you know, all afternoon. Let's pull him out of the third quarter. Let's give him a breather. We're going to need him healthy for the fourth quarter. We're going to need him strong for the fourth quarter. Let's plug in Tavon Wilson, get him in there. I think that was the plan with uh, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, and it was about depth. It was about having that ability to plug in players that can still go out and make a difference and not cost us a game so that we can keep our starters healthy and fr- and refreshed for that fourth quarter to close everything out. So, um, you know, we have already kind of mentioned Jonathan Taylor a little bit. That's a little more cut and yeah. dry. That was really expected. I mean, there's no surprise at how they were planning to replace Marlon Mack um, in case he went down with injury. Jonathan Taylor is pre- uh, pretty convincing and confident pick uh, to right. replace Marlon Mack. Um, but I and think I- Paris Campbell is. I think Paris Campbell is the biggest question mark. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's definitely what I was gonna say too. Because uh, you know, to me personally, Naheem Hines would be the best bet, but. You called up uh, Fountain. You called him up. You also brought back Marcus Johnson, but he's on the practice squad. He's not going to be available for the game tomorrow. But you also still have uh, Michael Pittman Jr. You still have, um, obviously, T.Y. Hilton, who could play the slot. But more than likely, we need to keep T.Y. Hilton outside. But I do know we have plays that have T.Y. in the slot. But I know that (laughs) Frank Reich loves to have those players that you could just put them anywhere and they'd be successful and that's definitely what Campbell was he could play the outside he could play the slot he could play the wing back he could do anything like when you were talking about the sweet plays I felt that if he was still healthy they would run a fake somehow either run a fake and pass it to the running back or or play a play action from it or have um, Campbell take it but he'll throw it to a receiver like you could tell they were setting something up yeah. because the first two weeks that's what happened. They ran that very same play. So you just knew something like that was gonna happen if he was healthy, but now that he's gone, okay, who's gonna fill that role? Me personally, Naheem Hines is the best bet. If it's not Naheem Hines, maybe you'll think about Ashton Doolin. 
But the only reason why I say Ashton Doolin in that case is if you want to run the sweep, and I think Ashton Doolin would be able to do that. But if you're wanting somebody else than Naeem Hines or Ashton Doolin, it would definitely need to be um, Fountain. Yeah, and I think there, there's definitely room there. There's definitely an opportunity for him to come in and, and be involved in plays like that. Only time will tell. Um, you know, thankfully, we're not the ones that have to try and make these tough decisions. Um, you know, that's uh, <laughs> that's been left up to uh, men who are a lot smarter um, with the game of football than I am. And so we get to just sit back and bite our nails and, and wait and see what happens. But it's really a tough situation, especially um, with Paris Campbell. I think he leaves the biggest hole. They all leave huge um, holes and issues on this team uh, and on this roster. But I think Paris Campbell leaves the biggest question mark. And only only time will tell. Uh, I do, tr- however, I, you know, I do trust in Frank Reich. I do trust in Chris Ballard. Um, I just I have this confidence in them um, that they're going to make the right call. Keeping up with the other teams in the AFC South division, real quickly, we're just going to kind of touch on um, these teams. Again, if you've missed our previous segments, we've started doing this as a way to keep up with the competition because really there is no greater competition, there's no greater obstacle between the Colts and playoff contention than the three teams we have to face twice each throughout the season. That's the Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, the, the Tennessee Titans. And so that's why we felt it was necessary um, for the Colts, you know, for the, a Colts podcast to keep up with these other teams um, because there are perhaps our biggest obstacles towards getting to the playoffs. You win the division, you clinch a playoff spot. That's how it is. So uh, it's important to keep tabs on how they're doing. Um, you know, we do have Titans um, facing the Jaguars coming up. Um, the Jaguars just lost a ugly game to the Dolphins. The Dolphins walked all over them on Thursday night. <laughs> they, did. um, they didn't walk all over them. They were stomping on them, man. I watched it all the way till the third quarter. Yeah. I was just like, there's no reason to watch the fourth quarter. The, the Dolphins are just manhandling them. Yeah, well, and I think this game is indicative more so of how the Jacksonville Jaguars will actually perform throughout the year. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. I really like what I see out of Gardner Minshew just from a good. Yeah, their offense is good. Um, uh, Robinson is no one saw the kind of impact that Robinson would have on this team. Um, You know, being an undrafted rookie free agent, he is just making making all kinds of headlines um, for the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew is great. LaVisca Chenault shows a lot of signs that he could be, you know, that he could be something special. There are a lot of there are a lot of bright spots on the offense and on the defense. Their biggest bright spot is their rookie corner, uh, Henderson, who uh, showed a lot of promise in week one. Played lazy but, football on Thursday night. Um, at but one their point, defense is still horrible. Oh, their defense is garbage. Absolutely, that's not to be um, made lightly at all. Uh, their defense is definitely their Achilles heel. Um, but, you know, and Henderson played ugly football uh, on Thursday night. There was one play I saw where uh, he, he missed an assignment. And, I mean, the, re- the receiver just beat him. He caught – the receiver caught the ball, fell to the ground. Henderson, I think, kind of being caught up in that college ball mentality, doesn't touch the receiver. The receiver <laughs> – like, Henderson thinks the play's dead, walks away, claps his hands sarcastically or something. The receiver gets up, 
and gains like five or six more yards before being tackled to the he, ground. He so. was too busy pouting that he let he the was. guy catch it. Yeah. That's yeah. what happened. And, and like him. you said, he had the college mentality. Oh, he's down, so I don't have to touch him. And, exactly. you know, plays dead. But nope, <laughs> was it dead? Well, and, you know, and with that being said, uh, Jacksonville, I think their game against the Dolphins, who the Dolphins aren't great either. The Dolphins have a lot of problems. Uh, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, he plays a great game, and then he plays a terrible game. Um, you know, the future belongs to Tua anyway. Fitzpatrick's kind of just a transitional quarterback for this team. The Dolphins are in, are still rebuilding, uh, but they walked all over Jacksonville. It makes me, it makes it hurt just a little worse, Nate. It's as if someone cut my arm open and poured a whole carton of salt in it because the Colts, uh, the Colts should have, should have won week one. Um, and Jacksonville, they showed really their true colors. I think what we're going to see more throughout the season, um, you know, despite Gardner Minshew's heroics, even though he didn't have a great game Thursday night either. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's one of those situations. Jacksonville, they're a mess, man. Um, I think the Titans will will sweep the floor with Jacksonville. The Titans, in my opinion, Nate, are the, are the Colts' biggest competition in the AFC South. Uh, they have a really big chance to go up 3-0 this week. And... Um, you know, which keeps them atop the division for the time being. Um, and, the, of course, the Texans face the Ravens. I mean, do we really even need to talk about that much? The the Texans' offense is in disarray uh, outside of Deshaun Watson. He's still getting hit a bunch despite their attempts to upgrade the offensive line. The Texans' defense is old and washed out. Um, you know, they just Texans look really terrible right now. And, granted, I can't say I'm disappointed about that, Um I think out of all the AFC South teams the Colts face, I dislike the Texans the most. Um, but, you know, going in, going in against the Ravens, it's almost – nothing's a sure thing in the NFL, but in my opinion, it's pretty much a sure thing. The Texans are about to start the year 0-3. Yeah, against that steel curtain, the uh, Texans are. And when you t- go back to the Titans and Jaguars game from last Sunday – it actually kind of makes you feel good in a way as a Indianapolis Colt. And this is why I say that is because Jacksonville was able to move the ball against the Tennessee Titans defense. And also the Tennessee Titans was also able to move against the Jacksonville defense. So it's like none of the defenses so far are stepping up. So that puts a advantage for the Indianapolis Colts because the Colts have been able to move the ball the problem is the Colts haven't been able to score, like I, I mean, score touchdowns at least. We've been able to do field goals, but we need those touchdowns. I think I was doing calculations uh, the other day and saying, okay, at half we were at at a uh, fifteen points to three. Like, how many points did we leave up there? Well, if we scored touchdowns um, instead of field goals, we would have been up thirty-five to three. Whew. <laughs> So it's like we left so much points. It should have been a blowout. It should have been. The last two games should have been a blowout. There, there's no doubt about it. The Colts left points on the board. We've made mistakes. We're not, we haven't been playing good football on offense uh, when it comes to at least scoring touchdowns-wise because, like, like I said, we've been able to move the ball. And our defense has stepped up from last weekend when we got – manhandled by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then we decided to manhandle the Minnesota Vikings. And a lot of people are saying, well, 
you know, obviously that was a fluke. You guys are not that good because the Vikings are obviously not that good either. And it's like, are you kidding me? They stayed close to uh, Green Bay Packers. They, at the beginning of the football game, were still pretty close to us. And it wasn't until we decided to score some more points that it looked like we killed them. And physically, we did kill them. But the scoreboard didn't show that that much. Because like I said, we should have scored 35 points from touchdowns. So that looks pretty good for us. It makes me feel a little bit better from the loss in Jacksonville. I'm not saying I'm okay with it because we should have won. But I'm saying it kind of makes me feel better that, no, this Jacksonville team is actually pretty good. We just looked over them. And what when we'll discuss um, later in the show is that we don't need to look over the Jets because if we do that, more than likely what happened in Jacksonville is going to happen against the Jets, and I don't want that. So uh, going back to keeping with the South, the Texans, definitely the de- defense is not the same as it was in years past. Uh, the only player that they have or players is two, Deshaun Watson and T.J. Watt. And I guess I could leave it at that and say the Colts should be able to win this division. Should. And I'll just leave it at that because I know I'll go on a rant and just continue on and we won't get this show done. But we should still be able to win the AFC South. Absolutely. You know, um, I think Minnesota... Uh, the game against Minnesota was extremely encouraging, which is a perfect segue. Uh, we're about to talk about the three keys to victory uh, this Sunday against the Jets. But before we do that, we need to talk about our takeaways real quickly. You don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but we do need to talk about our takeaways from the game against the Vikings. Um, you know, Nate has already touched on a majority of the things that went on in this game, good and bad. Um, but Nate, as you know, you were personal witness to how down in the dumps I was immediately following uh, the Jacksonville game in Week One. Um, I was <laughs> extremely that is was, no joke. <laughs> hey, I was immediately irritated, uh, extremely annoyed. Um, that game, uh, just with how nasty the defense looked, specifically Philip Rivers threw two nasty interceptions, made terrible uh, two terrible decisions. Um, in week one and but my point is we've already discussed week one that's old news at this point but my point is everything that I hated about week one was reconciled this past week against Minnesota almost everything you know my personal takeaways Philip Rivers first of all first and foremost because I preached this immediately following the Jacksonville loss there is no reason in the world why Philip Rivers needs to be throwing the ball 46 times in a single game. Shouldn't happen. Didn't understand the play calling from Frank Reich. Didn't understand why we got away from the run so quickly. Um, I was irritated in that regard. That was perhaps the biggest thing I was, well, second biggest thing I was irritated. Second only to the terrible play by the secondary for the Colts defense. But, and I'll touch on that here in just a second. But, Frank Reich snapped out of that. Um, he called a much, much more balanced game for this Colts offense. And even after the game, uh, Frank Reich in his postgame interview said, this is the blueprint for what we want. This is the our, our blueprint for success. 
control the ball on the ground, have that good power run scheme, just just demoralize this defense, take away their will to fight anymore by just running the ball up the gut, pounding forward with what is potentially the best offensive line in the league right now. Um, pass the ball, you know, when you when you establish that rhythm in the run game, that sets that naturally sets up play action pass, which Philip Rivers is notorious. He's he has notoriously excelled when the play action pass is successfully set up. He has excelled in that regard. Um, use the passing game for more strategic options than to just sling it down the field and hope something good happens with the ball. Philip Rivers did have the one interception, but Nate, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that wasn't on him. No, it um, wasn't. Philip Rivers threw. He put that right in the chest of Mo Ali Cox, who just he just he just didn't hold on to the ball. I don't. I, up. I don't mean to make a joke, but maybe we shouldn't have the roof open anymore. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my word! That you know that that goes in with the the drop that Ty had. The yes, sun was exactly. clearly in his face. Because Mo Ali said the same thing. Oh, that just broke my heart. <laughs> that was like a. 40-yard bomb for a touchdown. Phillip Rivers placed that ball perfectly. That was such a smooth pass, uh, such a finesse pass, just right into the exact window it needed to be. And T.Y. had it in his hands and just didn't close his hands fast enough. The sun was in his face. And, um, you know, T.Y., he he usually catches those regardless. He is a veteran professional in the league. Um, but, you know, the, the sun was definitely an issue. But Molly Cox, it, hey, and Nate with his big – and demanding of a player, commanding of a player as Mo Ali Cox is, I've been thinking about that play over and over all week. If Mo Ali Cox catches that ball, that's probably a touchdown. I mean, he catches that ball and just falls forward. That's potentially a touchdown play. Um, oh, yeah, that corner wasn't going to bring him down by himself. No. He, no. he was going to have to have help. 100%. I don't think he would have gotten <laughs> help in time. I really think Mo Ali Cox just, if he catches that ball... He just falls forward for a touchdown, and and the drive is over. You know, unfortunately, it did end in interception, but we can't really hold that on Philip Rivers. Uh, Philip Rivers ultimately played a really good game. Um, he he was more of a game manager because he didn't have to be more. Philip Rivers is good in the regard where you can uh, utilize him to go out there, and I still believe he has it in him to go out and win a football game. But don't put him in a position where he feels like he has to win the football game before he actually has to go out and win the game for the Colts. Uh, the Colts were in command on offense the, the entire day, both in time of possession and just sheer yards. For a second week in a row, the Colts had over 350 yards of total offense. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor had some ups and downs. Ultimately, I think he uh, showed a really a lot of reason for optimism for us Colts fans. Finished with just over 100 yards rushing with a rushing touchdown. Um, a handful of receiving yards. Uh, he just got to become more consistent. He did finish the day with uh, three and a half uh, yards average per carry, which needs to improve. That has to be better. He's got to recognize those holes, um, those running lanes a little bit better, um, and get more in sync with that offensive line. But overall, Nate, yeah. <laughs> um, overall, I think he the sky is the limit for Jonathan Taylor because in the midst of that issue, yeah, he still ran all over the field. So I think the sky yeah. is the limit for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you were kind of getting on me uh, after the game, after you watched it, and I was telling you, oh, I could have seen better, or I he could have done better. And you were all like, you're just mad because Marlon Mack, yada, yada, yada. You're all about Marlon Mack. It's like, well, that could be true, but 
I'm looking through the eyes of the coach. It's like I rewatched the the game at least three times, and he was doing a great job. I'm not taking that away from him. He was being a truck out there. He was carrying like five guys on his back multiple they, times, multiple times, multiple times. I'm giving him that. He's strong and he's fast. I get it. He's an awesome running back. He's going to have a bright future for the Annapolis Colts. But as a rookie, you could tell he was being a, he was a rookie. He 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 would stutter for a little bit, and he couldn't make up his mind. So the only place he could go was straight, which is fine because he obviously carried all those guys and still had a five yard gain, six yard gain, seven yard gain. That's good. That's great. That's what you need from your starting running back. But the problem is, as a rookie, he wasn't patient enough to see those holes. And I'm not dogging on the kid because he's got plenty of time to um, get to know the offense more and be able to just take it easy and just wait for his line to open the holes. I believe in uh, Jonathan Taylor. I really do. And going back to you, Elijah, you were making it seem like I was dogging the kid. It's like, calm down, man. You don't have to go defensive on him, on me for him. It's like, I get you where you're coming from. You don't have to basically come to my house and hit me with a baseball bat or something. Calm down. I got you. This is great. I love what I see from Jonathan Taylor. Well, and admittedly, you know, going back and watching highlights from the game, um, he shows, I mean, for being a rookie running back, he shows a lot of poise and a lot of patience, but it's yes. not consistent. Yes. There were times throughout the day where it just kind of looked like he panicked a little bit. It's like, okay, there's nothing, there's nothing open here. I'm just going to run here and hope I don't get tackled, you know, or, or if I do get tackled, I'm just going to try and carry them on my back for four yards, five yards, six yards. And although he did that throughout the day, uh, you know, and it's just an experience thing. Over time, yeah. he's going to yeah. get more decisive. He's going to get more patient. He's going to recognize. Marlon Mack learned a lot from Frank Gore. Frank Gore was one of the most patient, you know, one of the most patient running backs in the league throughout his entire, you know, and he's still playing, obviously, but throughout his entire tenure uh, in the league, he's been known for his patience and, and waiting for those holes to open up. And, and you know, and so Marlon Mack had to learn that and had to progress in that regard. And, and Moving into his, you know, moving into this this season, he really has it down. Um, and that experience, you know, Marlon Mack, you could tell, has transitioned well for him. And he's he's an extremely patient running back. He's been likened to uh, Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell was more in his prime. Um, you know, he's he's been likened to Le'Veon Bell in, in some regard as far as his patience mm-hmm. is concerned. So it's just a it's just a uh, learning process and an experience thing. He will right. begin to run with more confidence as the season goes along. That, but that just shows you how scary Jonathan Taylor can be. I mean, he's running the way he is right now, and he's still carrying guys down the field, still finished with over 100 yards rushing. Um, you know, so the sky's the limit for Jonathan Taylor. So I think I definitely think he's going to be fine. And yeah. I definitely see where you're coming this, from, Nate, in regards this. to his confidence level. Right, and this offense is good. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. I feel like this is going to be a top five offense, no doubt. I mean, with Paris Campbell, I would have said we'd be number one because they would have had to plan for so much for Paris Campbell. But we're going to lose a little bit just because he's not going to be there for the rest of the year. But we're still going to be a top five, personally, because right. like you said, I, we I, we believe that Philip Rivers is still able to 
carry us if he has to. But for right now, we both agree that we need to run the ball 50% of the time and pass the ball 50% of the time. Yes. Be balanced. Be balanced. Let's that's, be balanced. That's how this Colts team really, when they can fire off on all cylinders, that's how they really excel. And, you know, that leads into the other areas of the team. This was a team win on all fronts, you know, and we'll get in. I know we're kind of we're kind of pressed for time right now, but I'm not too worried about it because we do need to get into some of the things that need to improve because there were a few things that need to improve. Um, but, you know, the special teams, just to hit on them real quick, the special teams was they played very, very well. Um, of course, the special teams has always been a bright, well, for the last couple of years, the special teams has really been a bright spot for the Colts. Uh, one of the key plays that pop out in my mind is that Luke Rhodes hustle play uh, when uh, Sanchez punted the ball. It was going out, it was going out of the end zone and Luke Rhodes hustles to the ball and uh, just makes a phenomenal effort to save the ball from going uh, out the back of the end zone for a touchback, uh, keeps it in play and they end up pinning uh, the Vikings back on their own two yard line. And that ended up resulting in the safety sack that DeForest Buckner had on Kirk cousins. A few plays later, phenomenal yes, efforts, phenomenal effort by the special teams. And of course, my boy, my boy, Rodrigo Blankenship showing that week one's uh 30 yard miss was uh, clearly a fluke. Was perfect on the day, perfect in extra points, four for four uh, on field goal tries. Blankenship looked looked excellent, Nate. There was not one point throughout the day where I was concerned that he was going to miss the. You <laughs> where know, you were cringing your teeth and exactly. sitting in your seat. <laughs> oh, we had that all year last year, and it was exhausting. And and Amen. no offense to Adam Vinatieri, I love him. You have to love him as Colts fan. But uh, it was nice to have that consistency in the kicking game. And then, of course, the bright spot. I think the biggest bright spot for the Colts in Week 2 was this defense. They showed their ability. They showed a an example. They showed just a hint. They gave us just a hint. Points against Green Bay in Week 1. And Green Bay is being touted to have one, you know, to have a pretty good defense. Minnesota put up 34 points against Green Bay in week one, as you kind of touched on a little bit ago, Nate. The yes. Colts, nine passes defensed, which is an absurd number. That's a ridiculous number. Nine passes defensed. Uh, they put in another three sacks um, on the day. Uh, they consistently put pressure on Kirk Cousins. I think DeForest Buckner had four quarterback hits um, to go with one and a half sacks. Um, he had an incredible day. The secondary looked in sync. They looked completely different from week one. They couldn't get on the same page in week one, and they were just lights out. Three interceptions. Those, those are those takeaways that we've been looking for. Um, and, of course, Julian Blackman stepped in. I think he was probably personally my my defensive player of the week. I'm high up on Julian Blackman right now. Um, just just sheerly because of how little time he's had to prepare in what has been a very weird season uh, for sports. Uh, You know, and he comes in and plays the way that he does. This secondary looked great um, against a Minnesota offense that has proven they can still put points on the board, and they just manhandled the offense. Overall, great team victory, and and, 
Um, as far as my good takeaways from that game, defense proved that week one could have possibly been a fluke. So oh, they needed they needed to step up. They yeah. really did. And yeah. they did that, which is great. Really, yeah. really great. They really, really needed that as a confidence booster. And the fan base, let's be honest, Nate, we needed to see that performance. We needed to see the defense play no what they did. So no I know I felt a lot better. And very quickly before we move on, biggest takeaways I have on the downside, red zone percentage, uh, we got to convert more touchdowns in the red zone. Nate, you mentioned that earlier. We got, you know, Blankenship, he earned his pay, um, you know, and uh, scored many points for us in this game. Scored me a lot of points in fantasy, by the way. Um, but, you know, the Colts, <laughs> they, uh, they, we have to get in, in the end zone more, especially yes. in the red zone. Because um, we, we just showed a glimpse of what we can be. If we're at full strength, if we're if we're firing off on all cylinders, we can put teams away. Um, like you said a little bit ago, Nate, imagine those field goals were turned into to, uh, into touchdowns. Imagine that our four red zone opportunities uh, resulted in four scores. Um, you know, <laughs> you if you if you look at it from that perspective, you start to see a Colts team that's just utterly dangerous and scary for opposing uh for opposing teams to have to prepare for so uh, yeah um if they can button that up uh they're going to be a force to be reckoned with on offense and then of course third down conversions were terrible i think they finished three of 11 on third down that those are yeah unacceptable the, numbers yeah on the year they've only converted seven on 23 mm, that has to be better moving forward so, has to be. Yeah. That's that's why uh, when we get to keys to victory, you're going to hear me do a little splurge about that third down uh, conversions. So um, I'll save it for then. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, that's a perfect another perfect segue. Um, Nate, I'm going to start calling you Mister Segway because again, um, <laughs> you're leading off into a perfect segue into our next topic, which is our <laughs> uh, three keys to victory. And, Nate, I've talked a lot. I'm going to let you go ahead and lead the way on these three keys to victory. Hey, it's all right. I don't mind being talked over or anything. You can be the guy. You know, I get my little spots here and there, and I'll let you be the guy. No big deal. But, yes, my three keys to victory, my man, it's got to start with T.Y. T.Y. needs to be T.Y. of old. Like, I, these first two weeks haven't worked out the way he would like. It has not worked out the way we would have liked. It has come down to where Grandma had to call them and be like, what's up, my grandson? What's going on? You don't look the same. You should be happy. You should be glad. And he was just like, you right, Grandma. I need to step it up. I need to be happy again. I shouldn't look frustrated. So good for Grandma. Grandma, thank you for talking to your grandson. Thank you for speaking to him and saying, hey, you need to be T.Y. T.Y., all right? The T.Y. old. Don't be T.Y. that we think you're broken down and you're losing your edge. Be the T.Y. that we think this guy still got something left. So T.Y., be T.Y. Number two, defense. Continue that dominance on the defensive side. Defensive line, continue to rush the passer. Defensive line, continue to stop the run. We were okay. We, wasn't, we got better compared to the first week. But we need to get better from the second week to the third week. We need to stop Frank Gore, who we're going to see. We're going to see the guy behind him, which I have no idea who it is because Le'Veon Bell 
isn't there right now. He is injured. So it's going to be Frank Gore and somebody nameless. We got to stop them. We got to stop the run. If we can, let's keep it under 100 yards this time. All right? And then on the pass defense, continue to dominate the receivers. Break down the passes. Continue to get interceptions. Darius Leonard, get your hands on the ball. You almost got a touchdown. We're waiting for that touchdown TD, and we want to see that celebration. Don't give your ring away this time, but <laughs> let's, let's continue that dominance, okay? And last but not least, let's be successful in the red zone. Let's quit doing these three-pointers for Rodrigo Blankenship. Even though he's scoring me a lot of points in my fantasy league, I want to see more Philip Rivers throwing to T.Y. I want to see more Philip Rivers to Michael Pittman. I want to see more Philip Rivers of Zach Pascal. I want to see all these players get involved. Forget Rodrigo Blankenship until he gets the extra points. Let's get the touchdowns instead. And those, my friends, are my three keys to victory. Those are Nate's three keys to victory, and those are our three keys to victory. Nate took the words right out of my mouth. You know, key for key for key, exactly. Um, I cannot agree more. Um, those exactly what I am thinking the Colts need to do. Um, you know, this isn't rocket science, guys. The Colts have a formula for success. We know what that formula is. These three keys that Nate laid out. That's especially against a Jets team that's that's struggling. We can't we can't have another week like uh, Jacksonville. We can't overlook this Jets team. They could pop off. The Jets always seem to kind of pop off against us, and so we need to make sure to run you know run away with the game early, establish that good rhythm, maintain that that uh, you know win the game on the ground, uh, win the game in the time of possession, uh, get get these receivers involved, score more points in the red zone, and you know. The Colts, I believe, almost every game last year, um, every game, all, nearly every game finished um, within seven points or less. Uh, the game I, think I, had, I think I had no nails by the time those games ended. Oh, my God. Yeah, no joke. Like, my nails were just destroyed by the end of the season last year, you know. Uh, but uh, we, we got kind of blown out in some games at the end of the season. But, I mean, like, in all the games, all the games where we stayed competitive, and that we won, they were within, most of them were within a touchdown or less. And so this year, you know, having that, that dominating win against Minnesota, that has to continue against New York. And you do that by the three keys that Nate, uh, that Nate laid out for us. Um, just establish that rhythm early on and don't let your foot off the gas until the, until it shows four zeros on the clock after the end of the first, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, just dominate this game from start to finish. Continue to do what you've been doing uh, for Minnesota. Be a little bit more efficient. Be a lot more efficient in the red zone, and the Colts run away with this game. Yeah, yeah. The the defense is a three four defense, and we just need to remember, guys, with a three four defense, they can do a lot of blitzes that maybe this Colts line hasn't seen yet this year. So let's remember they might start slow a little bit, but I'm not gonna hold my breath because. I believe the Colts are going to be able to still move the ball. Absolutely. And, you know, the Colts have not been the only team to be hit by the injury bug. Um, <laughs> there has been a lot of just big-name injuries uh, ending entire seasons for uh, a lot of players. Uh, Cortland Sutton with Denver is out for the year, I believe. Uh, Drew Locke has been hurt. Um 
San Francisco's probably been hit the hardest. Nick Boza <laughs> is out definitely. for the year. Um, there are other, I don't remember his name at the moment, but there are other defensive end on the opposite side. Um, he is out for the season. Raheem Mostert has been seriously hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo is out um, for a few weeks. Um, you know, and there are so many other players. I can't even, I didn't write them down, and so I know I've missed a lot of just other key players. Michael Thomas has been out. He will continue to Saquon be out for Barkley. a few more weeks. Saquon Barkley is out for the year. Um, just terrible injuries, Nate. And so, you know, that begins to make you wonder, and I think I know the answer to this question. But, Nate, I'm going to let you answer this question. Why do you think um, injuries have been such a problem this year? Uh, I, You know what? You make me sound so smart, and I'm going to probably not prove you right because I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I have theories of how, why and how. I mean, it could possibly because of preseason. There's no, there's been no preseason games. There's not been much of live hitting. There's not been much of playing other teams, like just scrimmage wise. Not the preseason. Uh, it, it could, it literally could be anything. Just the short of um, off season as well could be a key factor because you think, oh, I'm fit, I'm physical, I'm you know ready to play. And then when it comes to the actual game, you just end up feeling that, oh, wait, I'm not, like, football ready. I might be ready for to run a relay or to run a marathon, but I'm definitely not ready to run a fo- or play a football game. And that's basically what it comes down to. It. It's like you're just not comfortable yet because it's been the first two weeks of the NFL season. So I guess I'm going to... Let you answer this. I kind of answered why I think about it or how it could be. Could be. So let's let's hear what you think, man. Yeah, I I one hundred percent believe that it's due to the weird off season. Uh, you know, these guys weren't able to condition the way that they normally do. Uh, even in the off season before uh, OTAs and before training camp starts and everything, these guys are are you know they have the routines. Uh, I think I heard. I think it was Darius Leonard. I heard of the other day. Uh, during the um, during the shutdown and everything, uh, and everything being closed, Darius Leonard was, I think he was doing chin-ups and stuff on the monkey bars and, you know, his local, on his nearest, the playground nearest to his home, you know, where you take his uh, family, um, you know, and he would, uh, he would work out there and do, and do pull-ups on the monkey bars and, and <laughs> use some of the equipment on the playgrounds to, to try and condition these guys. And granted, these guys probably have elite facilities in their homes as well. But, you know, I think that's more just an indication of of, of how creative these guys had to get. Because during these times where they would usually be working out with the team, condition, conditioning their bodies, they all got a later start. And so where they usually, like you said, Nate, would have had time to, uh, you know, earlier in the off season to um, have contact with each other, condition their cell, themselves, exercise, work out, get ready for the season. That was all cut in half, um, you know, cut in more than half. And then not only was the offseason a lot shorter and there were no preseason games to kind of ease everybody into action, you ask all these guys to come together in a shorter amount of time, and then you put them in full get-up, and they're going, you know, full head of steam at each other um, like, this, like this business as usual. I 100% think, and obviously I, I don't have statistics, I don't have proof, 
but I'm with you, Nate. That's exactly my where my frame of mind is right now. Uh, I think it all goes back to the shortened off season, the lack of a preseason, and and the lack of being able to have um, joint team practices. Um, it's just been one of those situations, and it's it's devastating. And it's we hate to see it as as football fans for both you know for for our sympathy for them for the players, but also for selfish reasons we want to see these superstars be able to play on the field, and we don't get to see that. But first and foremost, these guys they're missing an entire year, and although there's you know the majority of them they're getting paid, um, they're definitely set up financially. Playing football, they they've worked their whole lives to be able to step on that field and play the game and make an impact for their teams. And these guys, these big names, um, and a lot of players in general are, are going down with these injuries, these devastating injuries. And it's just, it's tough to watch from just a human being standpoint. It's, it's tough to watch and your heart definitely goes out to these guys and, and their families. And, you know, just all you, you can really do is just pray for a speedy recovery and pray that they can get back to doing what they love. So, um, it's just a hard situation, but you know, this year has been, this year has been full of ups and downs, and it's been weird. So um, I think that's just translated into the season, and hopefully hopefully it's a little smoother sailing from here on out. You can only hope. Yeah. Yes, sir. Agree 100%. Moving on, we are winding down uh, this episode. We have a few more things to go over. First of all, to discuss our cult of the game for last week against the Minnesota Vikings, also the cult of the game that we think will step out and stand out the most in week three against the Jets. Nate, I'm going to do the uh, the noble thing and let you lead us off with uh, who you thought was the cult of the game for week two and who you think that will be for week three. <laughs> well, we're looking for that player, right, to take a little bit of Campbell's possessions while he's gone. And I say it's Naheem Hines. I believe he's going to have another great game. I mean, Frank Reich has said, hey, this guy's going to average probably about 10 catches a game. You know, like this, we're planning on using this guy like crazy. And this would be a perfect game to do that. Like I was saying earlier that, you know, Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator for the Jets. Uh, For some reason, when he's been coaching against the Colts, he's had some success. So I feel like if they're going to bring pressure, where's Phillip Rivers going to throw the ball? if he has no time to throw it to the running back. And I believe Naheem Hines will have another fantastic night or day, excuse me, because it's at four o'clock and uh, he's just going to have a bunch, a bunch of catches. And I believe he'll score at least another touchdown uh, for Sunday. So Naheem Hines is my cult of the game for this Sunday. All right, and what about uh, who you think stood out the most against the Vikings? Against the Vikings, I mean, obviously who stood out was Morale Cox. Five receptions, 111 yards, average 22 uh, per, per catch, and 33 his longest. Like, that was definitely eye-opening. But you know what? For me, I'm going to give it to... The rookie, Jonathan Taylor, 26 rushing uh, twenty-six rushing attempts, 101 yards, uh, 3.9 average uh, per rush. That could be a little better, and I believe he will get better. And he scored a touchdown. So, you know, if Mo Ali Cox scored a touchdown, I would be all over Mo Ali Cox. But I've so far, for the past two weeks, I've been giving it 
to guys who've had a good day and also had a touchdown. Right. Um, I love both those picks. I love the, uh, uh, the Neheim Hines pick. I completely agree with you. I really think he's going to be the one, as you were commenting earlier, I really do think he's going to be the one that steps up uh, in place of Paris Campbell um, to, you know, be that, that multi-weapon type situation for the Colts. And I can see him having a good game against the Jets team that is uh, all over the place. But for me personally, uh, starting out with the Vikings, uh, you mentioned Mo Alley, Mo Alley Cox. Uh, and I, for me, he was the Colts of the game. I had a handful of players that I really just bounced back and forth between, including Jonathan Taylor, as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment. Um, Julian Blackman was also on my list personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, but for me, it's Mo Ali Cox for one big reason, uh, laying the stats aside, because really he had that one blunder right at the beginning of the game, which, as we talked about, really probably would have resulted <laughs> in a touchdown. Um, and yep. if, if he catches that ball, we're probably having a different conversation here. As you said, you probably would have given uh, your Colts of the game pick to Mo Ali Cox. But, um, you know, we both are tight end one, tight end two. Both down. Trey Burton's been down since before the season began. Jack Doyle went down with injury, of course, missed the game against the Vikings. And we're, we're in panic mode at the tight end position. And, you know, it's like we got Mo Ali cox who's been with the Colts. He, this, is his, this is year three with the Colts for, for Mo, Mo Ali cox And still kind of unproven. He's made some he's, – he's had some flashy plays, but overall unproven. And, you know, former basketball player in college, still trying to learn making that transition – uh, to uh, football, and of course the other tight end whose name I still don't know. I think it's, I think his last name starts with a T. Um, he uh, I had no idea who he was. I still don't know who he is. You know, so my my point being, the tight end <laughs> position was was kind of a disaster. We didn't really know what we we're going to see coming into Week Two against the Vikings, and Mo Ali Cox stepped into that role beautifully. And made a huge impact. 22 yards average per catch. I mean, that's that's insane. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, that's insane. Five catches, total 111 yards. Could have been a little bit more with the touchdown if he just hauls in that pass from Phillip Rivers. But, you know, all things aside, for that reason, uh, my Colts of the game pick for Week 2 is definitely, definitely Mo Alley-Cox. And... Uh, the guy I think is going to step out and continue to improve, and I think he's going to earn my personal pick for Colts of the game in Week 3, is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, as you know, Nate, I am really, really, really high up on Jonathan Taylor. I love this guy. Um, I think he's going to make a huge impact for the Colts, and I think he has a chance. He's got a full game under his belt. He's got a start under his belt. He's proven to himself and to his teammates into this wonderful fan base that he can go out there and just carry guys to, you know, towards a, a 100 yard game. And, um, he's got that confidence under his belt. I think he's going to, we're going to see a Jonathan Taylor. That's a little bit more loose and a little bit more decisive, hopefully. Um, and a little bit more confident. I think Jonathan Taylor has another hundred yard game, um, with at least a touchdown. And I'm going to go a step further. I think he's even going to have 50 receiving yards in this game as well, especially with Paris Campbell being out. Uh, Philip Rivers already likes to throw to the right, to the running backs. Uh, don't be surprised if Frank Wright gets Jonathan Taylor involved in the passing game. Um, <laughs> yep. So, so uh, for me personally, yeah, absolutely. For me personally, 
Jonathan Taylor is my pick. And last but not least, before we reveal the answer to the trivia question, Nate, I believe we both had in our uh, preseason predictions, we both have the Colts running away with this game against the Jets. I don't think I need to ask, but for the sake of the pod, are you sticking with your pick for week three? Heck to the yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's yeah. no reason why I should change it. I mean, the Jets, we do, haven't done much of anything uh, for the offseason. And then so far during the season for these last two weeks, haven't done anything. Le'Veon Bell's unhappy. He's hurt. He's on IR for at least three weeks. And then basically the whole uh, Jets team is full of ex-Colts. And we got rid of them for a reason. No idea why the Jets picked them up. I mean, they're good guys. Don't get me wrong. Well, some of, some of them, <clears throat> Quincy Wilson, uh, but uh, uh, but any, but in any case, yeah, no reason to change my pick. The Colts are gonna um, take it to them, make it a statement that hey, we're gonna if they blow them out. Let's say, like I'm not saying this is my pick to the score wise. Like if they blow them out like 34 to 10, that that's a total statement saying that hey, they're gonna beat teams that they are supposed to beat, and it's pretty badly. And then, more than likely, when we face a playoff team, that means we have a fighting chance to beat them as well. So, yes, the Colts are still going to win the game. And I believe it's going to be at least 24 to 14. Absolutely. I'm in the same exact boat as you. You know, in years past, the Colts have been accused of basically playing with their competition. If there's a team that's, um, that's worse, that's not a very good team, our quality of play has been accused of being about the same just to match them, to just, you know, just barely beat them. And then if we play a great team, we elevate ourselves to play that team. I think we, we are out on a uh, on a vengeance campaign this year to prove that, like you said, Nate, we are going to stomp the teams that um, we are expected to stomp. Uh, we're going to be competitive against the teams that uh, are playoff-worthy and playoff-capable. Um, and just overall going to show where we are a force to be reckoned with. I believe this is the point now where the Colts start to get into a rhythm. You've had two weeks of full game action. We're starting to get our fans back. There's going to be considerably more fans in the stands this week than there were last week. Um, it's starting to feel more like home, starting to feel more like normal. So the Colts go out there, make a huge statement, get a dominating full team victory again against the Jets, not changing yes, my sir. pick for anything. So, Right. Yeah, um, you were eight, you were eight and a half favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and look what happened, guys. I mean, now this game we're up at eleven and a half. Come on, seriously, let's show them what we got. Let's not go down to their level. We are better than that. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So, Nate, before we finish up this pod, you want to reveal the answer to this week's trivia question. Yeah, I've always wondered why we would call ourselves the Colts when they moved from in uh, Baltimore. They were called the Colts, and they came here. We were still the Colts. Like, why are we keeping the Colts? Nobody knows. But the answer, or excuse me, the question was, why are the Indianapolis Colts named the Colts? Well, here you go. Now you know. The moniker Colts was chosen to pay homage to the rich tradition of horse breeding and racing in the area but as we all know they didn't stay in baltimore 20 years after again becoming the baltimore colts 
they relocated to Indianapolis, and in 1983, they just decided to stand pat and not change the name. So there you go. <laughs> Simple as that. It's Simple kind of as that. No, well, you know, and and I never really put too much thought into it, but I have always kind of wondered, like, why the Colts? You know, why a horse-themed uh, name uh, for you know for an Indianapolis? You know, I think I think if it had been Indianapolis, like had the team originated out of Indianapolis, it would have been something racing related. I really do think that that's that would be <laughs> because I re- and maybe that's something we can kind of do in a future segment. Like, uh, you know, had the Colts been um, started, had the Colts been founded in Indianapolis, what would their name have been? That might be something fun to do in the future. But, uh, you know, interesting. the Colts have a very rich racing history, you know, uh, motor racing history. Uh, history and so i think it probably would have had something to do with that but that might be a fun thing to do in the future but interesting very interesting um information nate thank you for um that trivia question and so without further ado that is all that we have uh, for the pod this is one of our longer episodes uh, there was a lot to go over but hopefully you guys enjoyed what you heard and um, feel free to continue these conversations over on twitter we do monitor our twitter page every day and we are itching to continue our conversations that we have here that nate and i have together we are always looking to continue those conversations over on our twitter at gfi podcast if you haven't already please go over there leave a follow just as a progress report we have reached 40 followers on twitter so thank you to everyone who has followed us um, we do try and follow um, all who are Colts fans and they follow us. We do try and follow them back. So, that, you know, because we want to continue these conversations. We want to have debates. We want to have, you know, uh, friendly debates and, and friendly conversations um, about this team that we love so much called the Indianapolis Colts. So thank you to everyone who has followed. If you haven't already and you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much. You know, go over there and follow us. We'd greatly appreciate that. Also, don't forget if you enjoy what you hear and you have similar conversations with your friends and family that Nate and I do here on the podcast, it really helps us out if you share on your social media, share with your friends and your family, let them know what's going on over here on Go For It. Uh, make sure to subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. And we just, you know, for all of you who have been tuning in week after week and have been listening to our episodes, we we really do appreciate um, you stopping by and continuing to support the podcast. Uh, your support does not go unnoticed. And if you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that uh, that you like what you hear and that you want to stick around and you want to continue to follow us. And uh, we're happy to have you here on Go For It. So without further ado, let's go Colts. We have more Colts football right on the horizon. And um, it's going to be a good one. Hopefully we blow them out. And we need to come out and show our support for the wonderful Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, you know, hey, hopefully hopefully Frank Reich just goes for it, man. No pun intended. I go hope you just go, go for it on every drive. Go for it on every drive. Let's just punch this ball deep into the gut of the New York Jets and call it a day. So let's go Colts. Go and have an awesome weekend, everyone. Have a great week this upcoming week, and we will catch you next weekend um, here on Go For It. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thank you.